Hello and welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast to Jofia Banyai. Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. How are you, Jofia? Thank you, Diogen. Oh, you pronounced my name perfectly. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thanks for having me on the show. Yes, and I am, uh, I'm very excited to have you on the show. I haven't had many guests coming from Europe. And uh, also, it's a subject that I haven't approached a lot on the show is automation and outsourcing. But for the audience, Jofia, could you please um, introduce yourself by sharing your uh, career story? Yes, sure. So indeed, I am in Europe and I am in Hungary. I'm from Hungary and I am there right now. And well, my career story has a very unusual beginning. I used to study history in the university, so I was meant to be a history teacher. But then I changed my career plans during uh, university and I started to focus on finance. So I also have a master degree in financial management. And that's how I ended up in the corporate world. So I had a corporate experience as well. And slowly I started to build up my own business, which is about outsourcing management. So I say that I help busy entrepreneurs to automate and outsource their time-consuming tasks. The goal is to create either the four-hour work week or just simply avoid burnout for my clients. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a pretty big promise to um, implement the four-hour <laughs> work week. But maybe one, one thing is, okay, it's very interesting. Started with history, then finance. When and what made you switch from uh, working in corporate to uh, starting your, uh, your business? Yeah, it happened possibly like one and a half years ago when I completely switched to work for myself. Why? Well, I think all entrepreneurs have the same dream to become independent and create something which they believe in. And I strongly believe in this freedom project, what my processes represent. Yes, yes. Okay. I understand that. I think a lot of people are, as well do want that. But your promise, as you said, is part of your promise is the, for your clients is trying to get them to uh, reach the four-hour work week, but okay, it's maybe not necessarily that they will work four hours. It's more that they will uh, be more uh, effective. Do you uh, get them to uh, go through a certain process? How do you uh, present kind of your, your services to your clients? Okay, just to be clear, I don't force anyone to work four hours only a week, so it's, <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> and I fully understand if someone is really in love with their business, then they would like to, you know, just uh, spend time with it. And that's completely fine. But I strongly believe is that no entrepreneurs should be the employees of their own business. Because if as an entrepreneur, if it's a business person, you end up doing all the job on day-to-day -day basis, working like eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, in the end of the road, yes, burnout is a real thing. And that's a really something that you might or you will, well, let's say certainly be hit in the long run if you are burning all your energies in, in everyday tasks. So the goal is to help entrepreneurs to step out from the trade mill, let them allocate tasks, either with automation or outsourcing or even hiring in-house. That's, of course, still a solution. 
and give them the time and energy and especially the focus to be able to plan ahead and look at the future of their businesses. Because if you are really into the day-to-day activities, then you don't have the necessary energy to really plan ahead and go out of what you are doing now. So that's how we say it, that you will become the bottleneck of your own business, which is not the goal, of course. Yes, I uh, I resonate a lot with what you say. It's, it's totally right. And uh, certainly in the audience, you there are some freelancers and some solopreneurs who are the experts of their business. So the person that executes the business, maybe you may have had some conversations with maybe engineers or uh, IT um, independent contractors that tell you, okay, but I am the one who has to execute the business. How do you get the conversation with those people? not as hard as you would imagine because of course if a client approaches me they already have the idea that they'd like to get some help so we can start from here where and what help do you actually need and it's pretty easy again because there are certain questions which you can ask what are the tasks you hate and then here comes an interesting story that if you hate it maybe you should not doing it what are the tasks that you think someone could do better than you that's a bit harder to admit but Certainly there are. You mentioned that you are an IT person. Maybe you are not the best in accounting. Or maybe you are not the best in social media management and content creation. So what are the tasks you are doing, but you constantly feel that someone else could do it better? Or what are the tasks you are spending a lot of time and you could use this time better? If this task can be trained well, then it's also something we can consider to give away and give you this time as an extra to be able to earn money because in the end of the day, that's the goal of the whole story for uh, an entrepreneur to be able to maximize the revenue. Yes, I agree. Is that the question that you have mentioned? Is that kind of a starting point to think about what I should outsource or what I should automate in my business? I have a three-step approach. The first is elimination. So first of all, we need to find tasks which can be eliminated, which you don't have to do, actually. Then we can look at automation and then outsourcing because there's no point to outsource something if you can automate it. Nevertheless, automation can be really costly, as you know. That also do require a big investment, so that's also a calculation. If you should do a big investment right now to automate something, then save money on the long run or it's still better to keep it with human work and outsource, although human work always have the element of human mistakes as well. Mm -hmm. So these are not too easy decisions. I have a decision matrix for this. It's a freebie on my website, so I can send you the link. It's on myprocess.es where uh, any listener can find this outsourcing decision guide and go through all those little questions that might help them to get on track and, and think about it. But again, The main point is that first eliminate what is unnecessary, then automate what you can automate, and then outsource it. I always say that it only makes sense if you are already generating some cash. So if the business is in the very, very beginning phase, then that's probably not the best idea to do the first investment into outsourcing, do the first investment into building up the business, and then think about outsourcing. So that's also another hack, which I always make sure to tell my clients. However, there is one thing I strongly believe should be outsourced, even if you don't earn any money yet, and that's bookkeeping and accounting. Because unless you are a financial expert and unless you are a bookkeeper, then probably it's a pain. For most entrepreneurs, it is, let's be honest. And because it's a pain, you tend to spend less time and less energy on it. 
However, that's really the key in order to have a healthy business to balance the cash inflow and cash outflow. Otherwise, you know, that whole will just blow up and not will be a successful business ever. So keep in mind, bookkeeping and accounting is something that you should really, really consider to outsource as soon as you can to a professional. Yeah, true. It's really about uh, optimizing uh, our own energy and our, and our own time and uh, yeah, allocate the activities to the person that can do it best. Because you started uh, one and a half year ago, so uh, early 2019. How do you uh, acquire, if there is a specific way, uh, how do you acquire clients? Is it through refer referrals? Was it through events? Um... So far, it was more through referrals, so people I know. And the funny thing that at the moment I'm trying to establish more uh, lead channels uh, in other ways, which can be, yes, events, Instagram, I am really, really working and trying to learn my own Instagram, how to build it up and participating in podcasts as well. Mm -hmm. So, but to answer your questions, at the moment, it's, it's rather a referral. So happy clients referring me to the next one. Because you're now in uh, Bulgaria, but with the pandemic, it's difficult to move <laughs> and go and meet people face to face, whether it's in your own country or anywhere in the world. Are you working with um, clients internationally or they or it's more local? Uh... Yeah, I do work internationally. Actually, I did more US clients than European clients at the moment. Mm, okay. It's fully online. So outsourcing something only makes sense if you really use the geographical arbitrage as well. And as for this, you have or, you already have to be set up to work online. And actually, because of the pandemic, more and more people learn about Zoom, how to run an online meeting, how to communicate efficiently in emails, how to keep a track on like meeting others in the online phase and not face-to-face. Uh, -face. So my business is entirely remote. Okay, that, that's great. And uh, talking about the pandemic, how has it impacted your activity? Is it, has it impacted it positively, negatively, or it didn't change anything? I'm not entirely sure because... Uh, in the beginning, I started with more on referrals. Mm -hmm. And then right before the pandemic started, I started to build up other channels as well. I, I don't really know how would it have worked out without the pandemic. Uh, okay. yeah. I would say it didn't change too much in my normal days because I was already working remotely. I was already, you know, settled down. I'm a digital nomad or I call myself a digital nomad, whatever that is still means in the current world but yeah i settle down in one place i have a airbnb or something where i live in and i work from there and i keep in touch with the clients and with the freelancers online so via the internet so the pandemic didn't really change this setup i was already remote so it was not a big impact other than that for my clients of course they have it varies some of them do struggle because of the pandemic but on the positive note, more and more people learn how to work remotely. And if you work remotely for the next town, next city, then it doesn't make any change if you work for the other part of the world. Maybe time to all difference. That's the only issue. Yes, <laughs> yes. Up. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, yourself, so you talk, so the company My Process. My uh, Process, And yeah. you also call it the Freedom Project. So what do you mean? What does that mean to you? Uh, Freedom is a key value for me. So, of course, first of all, it's freedom for myself, having my own business. That's a big freedom. But more importantly, it's a freedom for my clients because, as I mentioned, I don't want them to be the employee of their own business. 
they need to have the freedom, the free time, the free energy to expand their business and to have the energy to create their own vision. So this is a freedom for my clients. And also freedom for those with whom I am working with, the freelancers, the outsourcers, who can also expand their own little, maybe smaller scale business to serve their clients, our common clients. So it's a three-sided freedom, how I see it. Uh, excellent, excellent. And so I understand that I was about to ask if you have a team. I understand that you work with other freelancers, right? Yes, I do. I have more or less well-written team with whom I usually work with. But of course, if there is a new task, a client needs something else, I am perfectly capable to reach out. I have a lot of contacts. So it's, a, it's already quite a big channel of communication with different offices in the other part of the world where I can mm-hmm. get help from. Okay. So and it's not uh, a sad theme, just to... And uh, is entrepreneurship big in uh, Hungary, as far as you know? That's an interesting question. We can really go back to the roots. So Hungary was part of the communist era back then when, of course, entrepreneurship was not really a big thing. But I believe after the system change, it really took a positive inflow and people started to boost and really get into entrepreneurship, especially in the beginning of the 90s. And that generation who was young back then, they are really, really open for entrepreneurship. I think after that, it's a little bit closed down and Currently, I see in the younger generation that they already have, again, this kind of boost and this kind of dedication to become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, maybe uh, around the world, there are more uh, younger people who want to start businesses, but it's just like, it's not common for me <laughs> to meet someone from the Middle East uh, that starts in entrepreneurship. So it could be an interesting insight for okay. the audience. So you have the business since one and a half year. Uh, you have that vision to uh, improve the, the life and the businesses of your clients, colleagues, people around you. I want to ask a bit of inspiration question. So what does uh, uh, inspire you beyond the book for our work week? Was there, are there other people or other books that are inspiring you and have inspired you into what you want to do? Maybe I wouldn't say books themselves, but yeah. podcasts, definitely talking with entrepreneurs. And I also have, I don't call it podcast, but I have a video interview series with successful entrepreneurs. And I have to tell you that those people inspire me a lot. So I also have this one-on-one conversation about how did they started their own business? What were the initial difficulties they faced? And how did they overcome those initial difficulties? And I always ask about their number one tip for those who want to start a business right now. And I love that most of them say that just do it. Any version of that. So it's always varies. But at the core of they say that, you know, just go ahead and, and do it and have the courage to stand up and do your own business. And this whole series of meeting with those amazing people is a big, big inspiration for me. Uh, great, great. Uh, you, you, you push me to ask you, what's your number one tip? Right. <laughs> 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 Give yourself time. I already tried to do a business myself uh, like five years ago, I think, which failed. It was supposed to be an online shop and yeah, well, I didn't fail, but it was not, not really worth it, not really generating enough money to continue this one. So I, I closed it down. And if I look back, what I learned from it that I didn't give enough time for myself to work on that so I already had a day job and I was also attending school and other than that I started a business that was a recipe of failure 
looking back. I should have known it better back then, but I didn't. It's a good good lesson to be learned. So a business needs time as well. That's very important. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, you're right because you 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 finished with your finance job before starting my process, right? Basically, I already had an an employee who turned out to be my first client, and then I, yes, I started traveling. So I, it was a very very clear cut because I said that okay, until that moment I was in the office, and after a certain moment I became fully remote. I became a digital nomad, traveling full time, and doing my business. Okay, and uh, any any um, maybe uh, because you 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 run your business and uh, while you travel, so you traveled approximately in all the continents in the world so far, or no? So I traveled a lot before, like for holidays, yeah, but okay. currently I stay in Europe because I travel by car because I take my dog. So oh. I have a nice <laughs> nice dog who is traveling with with us, and and she must be there, of course. <laughs> She's part mm-hmm. of the family. So we only go in countries where she can come safely by car. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Very, very particular. Okay, that's very interesting as well. When you work with uh, with, with a client, maybe it, uh, it comes back to what, what I asked before. But you would set some expectations, maybe, uh, uh, maybe together. Uh, but when we are in the outsourcing, automation, or process improvement business. It's a never-ending. It's a continuous improvement that we do. So, when is it kind of, I want to say, finished? When is your work finished with a uh, uh, with a client? If it is ever finished, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I haven't finished the work with a client yet. <laughs> okay, okay, I had some yeah. projects, so yes, there, I had some engagement, which was a project. So it was clear in the beginning when we'll be the end because that was a project. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I agree with you. So it's an ongoing thing. As long as the business is running. There needs to be further improvement. And actually, that's the idea behind process improvement, that it needs to be continuous. And I regularly ask for feedbacks. I regularly sit down, yes. flying quotes, of course, but have a call with my clients and see how are things going, what's too much, what's enough, how can we you know, make it more efficient. That's why I like to visualize the processes. That's why I like to put them in writing, because... That also gives room to have a good look, a bird's eye view, I like to say, to make even further improvement. And, you know, life happens. Sometimes a freelancer has to go and can continue working. In that case, we have to, you know, kick in the backup plan and have a new freelancer, a new outsourcer to new assistant who can start working and then we can give them the process. That's good. And I think it's an important lesson for, uh, for, for the audience because sometimes in consulting, we, we think this, this is where my question came from. Is, uh, we, we think that it's only a project. As you say, it has a start and it has an end. But actually, you can have a continuous relationship with a, uh, with a client because your service is kind of uh, evergreen. To me, automation, outsourcing, process improvement is a continuous thing. It's not something that stops somewhere in time. Uh, yeah, so, and you know, if you yeah. become a consultant and you deal with businesses, that's probably because you are interested in businesses. I find it really, really interesting to look at other businesses. How do they build up? What are their processes? How do they generate revenue? How do they progress? What do they figure out? What do they put in the market? I think that's really inspirational and it's it's like, I'm really keen to learn from them. So that's what keeps me running and wanting to learn more, of course. Yes, yes, uh, totally agree. Uh, and even though I am in uh, in IT, the, the part that I prefer is as well learning the learning the business process of uh, of the clients. That's great. And um, 
because we are on the um, consulting lifestyle uh, and we talk about it a little bit uh, indirectly, I would like to ask you because you do you also do service uh, service to businesses so consulting uh, what does consulting lifestyle mean to you yeah we mentioned it indirectly and yeah, i i yeah. think i just uh, replied it so i'm really keen to learn about how businesses are built up and look into that it's a little sneak peek into <laughs> into the lifestyle so as i remember back in the university when i was studying about business it was so hard to get into one so when i was writing my final thesis and i was supposed to you know have interviews with our businessmen they were more close they were less you know open to share their objectives their struggles because it's kind of a business secret but you know as i step into this life as a consultant and they kind of can look at me as a part of their team we also have a non-disclosure agreement of course always in place that they are more open about their daily struggles, their successes, and, you know, all what comes in the road as an entrepreneur. So it's fascinating for me. Yes, yes, totally agree. And I think it's very interesting as well. Maybe one thing we uh, didn't mention in the uh, episode explicitly is the type of businesses you work with. just want to be sure that the audience uh, uh, knows it as well. Okay. Uh, I've worked with businesses who have some online processes, which is like quite a great deal of the businesses and usually smaller businesses so either solopreneurs or businesses below 10 people okay excellent and they can be from all over the world so <laughs> thank you uh jofia it was a very very interesting uh, episode and uh, a lot of lessons to learn there will be in the show notes the link to your uh, free questionnaire as well and um, people can find you if they want to get in touch with you where do they find you through my website, which is myprocess.es. I'm not from Spain. It's just, you know, a joke with the letters, my processes with a dot uh, in the middle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so myprocess.es and also via Instagram, myprocesses. And I have a channel on YouTube called myprocesses. So please remember myprocesses. Excellent. Excellent branding. Very consistent. <laughs> thank you. So uh, thank you, Jofia. And uh, it would be a pleasure to talk again soon. Thank you so much, Diogen, for having me in the show. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogen Tirandekura.